Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Over the next several weeks, the lectionary will move through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And as we look at this letter from Paul and hear what he's saying to the church at the time and to us today, we have to remember that if you look at most of Paul's letters, you can find some sort of controversy or problem that was going on at the church that seemed to prompt his letter. And he writes to the church and says, hey, get your act together, do this, don't do that, this is what you should be doing. Uh, but in the letter to Ephesus, you won't find that. This letter seems to have been written by Paul purely to encourage the church. And so we're going to spend some time over the next several weeks listening to what Paul says to the church at the time and what Paul is trying to say to the church today as this letter moves through talking about the unity that exists in Christ and the unity that we have as a body by what virtue of what Christ has done for us. And so I think just as then the church needed to hear words of encouragement, to be reminded who they are and what their purpose was, uh, so we too need that reminder still today of who we are and what our purpose is. And Paul begins this letter by praising God who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That he begins his letter, his communication, his encouragement by praising God and giving thanks for all the blessings that come to us in and through Jesus Christ. And in that one sentence, Paul is really summarizing the fact that in and through Christ, we have the benefit of knowing God. We have the benefit of being chosen for salvation, being adopted as His children. We receive forgiveness, insight, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power to do God's will, and the hope of the life that is to come. All comes to us through what Jesus has done. And as Paul begins this way, he's almost reminding us, lest we forget all that God has done for us. That I'm sure just in the, as in the day of the church then, as it is now, we can get to going about our spiritual journey in somewhat of a rote manner by which we forget all the things that God has done for us. And then life happens and we get busy and all sorts of things weigh in on it. And I think it's a great reminder that Paul begins and says, never forget the reason that you're here. Never forget why the church exists. Never forget what God has done for you. Let that be first, and then give thanks to God always for that. For we're told by Paul that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. 
In love He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. And now some of these verses can create all sorts of church fights by which some groups hear that word predestined and somehow come up with a theology of a God who from the beginning of time picked these people who He likes and they will be saved and these people who He doesn't like and well, sorry, but you weren't chosen from the beginning of time, uh, off to hell you go. That seems like a pretty bad theology to me. And what they're missing in that is this predestination. It's not about God picking before time against our wills who's in and who's out. That doesn't seem to be in accordance with the love that God lavishes on His people. So you have to read what's being said in light of who God is. What it does say, though, is, is that the, the decision to make a way for people Salvation itself is generated by God, not by us. And that it was His plan from the beginning that people come into relationship with Him. And He is the first mover in that dance by which we come to know Him, by which we live in His presence. That all of it is generated by God. And that's an important reminder for us because even today, when you hear people talk about the Christian journey, a lot of it gets focused on us and what we're supposed to do and say and the decision we make and the day we made it and this about me. And we've missed the point that all of this is God's work. And all we do is say thank you and receive. That's what we bring to the transaction. All of the hard work and heavy lifting is God's, and He does it first by choosing all of creation to come to Him. All who want to receive can. Because God has done it, not that we do it. We can never do it, but God in His love has done it. In that way, we are predestined, and it is His plan to lavish His love upon us. For in Him, we're told, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That Paul reminds us again the work that Jesus does for us in coming among us, in demonstrating the love of God, giving freely of Himself a life outpoured for His people. Through that, we have forgiveness because of the work that Jesus did, who freely came, knowing all that would happen, and freely poured out His life for us to once again welcome people back into His presence. And we're told, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to put into effect when the time will have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head. That it's God's desire that in the end, when Jesus returns again to usher in the new heaven and the new earth, that everything will be set as it was intended to be from the beginning. That the people would have God as their God and God would be the God for the people. 
living together in that relationship of love for all eternity. That was always God's desire. And God goes to great lengths over and over and over and over again to make that way possible for us to remain in relationship with Him. Because in Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in accordance with His will, in order that we who were the first hope of, in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. Or some of the translations might say, might live for His praise and glory. Which is a great translation of what we're called to in our life. That we acknowledge what God has done for us. The love that He's lavished upon us. And then our lives are supposed to be lived as an outpouring for all people around us, for the service of God, for God's praise and glory. Not for our own. But that as God loved us and freely gave of Himself, then in turn we receive that love and pour out our lives for others and for God. For the praise of God. So that God might be acknowledged. That God might be loved. That God might be praised, worshipped, and adored. That's the call on each of our lives. And then, as this section of the letter comes to a close, we're told that having believed, we were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to God's glory. That we're reminded that in our baptism, what we proclaim is we are sealed, that we're marked as Christ forever. And that in that moment, the Holy Spirit is poured into us. The very presence of God who remains with us forever as a down payment of the fullness of that life that's to come later. But right now, God dwells in us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we sort of live now in a foretaste of the fullness of what's to come. That we get glimpses into the fullness of that life. But we long for the day when all will be set right and Jesus returns again. But in the meantime, He doesn't leave us on our own. He says, I remain with you and this is my presence with you to lead you and to guide you. And that each week then, we as a church need to gather remembering what God has done for us. And we're here to give thanks to God that we didn't do or deserve anything, but God lavished His love upon us. And we're here to say thank you for who God is and what He's done for us. And then allow that Holy Spirit to lead us day by day to love God and to outpour our lives for God and for one another. That we might love God and love our neighbor. So let us give thanks to God today and every day for all that's been lavished upon us. For the fact that He chose us and that He freely pours out His love for each of us. May we receive that outstretched hand of love and mercy and grace. Let us pray. Most loving and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you always for your outpouring of love and mercy upon each of us, especially through the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit, whom you have poured into each of us, Lead us each day into a deeper relationship with you. 
May we be transformed more and more into your image and likeness. And may our lives be outpoured for your creation, that the whole world might come to know you, that they might come to receive your love and mercy. And may you be praised, worshipped, and adored. And Jesus, we ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.